0: Welcome into Hitting Hard on a day before the draft Wednesday. Holy cow, draft is tomorrow. But today on the show, we are going to talk about the Hawks and that um yeah, lackluster kind of ending to their season last night and a little bit of a look ahead to what's going to happen in the offseason. And we'll talk a little bit more. We'll preview and get you ready for Falcons draft coming up tomorrow night. It is hitting hard with John Chukri on unlocked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on this Wednesday before the NFL Draft. We thank you for being a part of the show. We want you to head over to our YouTube channel Put in the little browser box, put in Locked On Sports Atlanta, find us, hit that subscribe button, be a part of our ever-growing community. Leave us a comment, tell us what you think about the show. We always appreciate that. And, of course, you can follow me on my Twitter page, at JMCH316. Well, the Hawks season is over, and it just kind of went out with a just kind of a whimper. You know, look, last night the Hawks go into that game, obviously, and must win. We got word earlier before the game about Jimmy Butler was not going to play. To give you an idea about how good Butler has been in this series, he was averaging 30.5 points per game in the series. The next closest Miami Heat player was averaging 14. So he was doubling anybody else on their roster as far as scoring goes and really his importance to what this Miami Heat team was out there. So we knew no Cal Lowry, we knew no Jimmy Butler on the Hawks side of things, it was no bogey. Bogdanovich was going to be out. So both teams playing a little bit shorthanded, but certainly he kind of thought advantage Hawks in that game last night. And there were so many little microcosms of what went wrong this season for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, let me give you examples. Okay, For instance, Kevin Herter comes out And he scores seven points in the first half of the first quarter, okay? So the first, whatever, six, seven minutes of the first quarter, he comes out and scores seven points. The entire rest of the game, three and a half quarters, he scored five more points in that game. He finished with 12. Now, how is he not a part of the offense when he gets things cranked up and going? Well, you know, he scores seven points early on, and I hate to say it this way, and people are going to get frustrated because I am have this kind of reoccurring theme at times. Trey comes down and takes a couple of bad shots, and they get out of their offensive flow, and he never really got back in the flow of that game. He scored late, hit a basket late, but he had seven points in the first six or seven minutes in that game and only scored five more points the rest of that game. <clears throat> then take Clint Capella, who played the first half, re-injured that knee, and was out. He did what he needed to do for this team while he was in. Don't care about his scoring, but his eight rebounds is what helped. He comes out of the game, and this team just can't find a way to have enough inside presence. Adebayo got things going. Tucker got things going. They They were able, Miami, to get their inside presence going last night. Adebayo had 20 points on 11 boards last night uh, in that game. Tucker didn't play all that well, but still was a factor in it. Um, Martin was another factor in that game last night um, uh, in 21 minutes, uh, 10 points in four rebounds. It just took some of the momentum from your inside presence. I don't know if John Collins is hurt. I don't know if he was just whatever, but he was 26 minutes with seven points and two boards. He was a complete non-factor. It seems like as this series went along, his productivity from a minute standpoint dropped like a lead weight. Hell, his best performance was the first game he came back and played, where he had 13 points and 10 rebounds. The rest of the series, he just disappeared. And my frustration with John Collins gets to be I was talking about this last night on my show. This is his fifth year in the league now. He averages less than 60 games a year. He's played 293 regular season games in five years in the NBA. That's less than 60 games a year. And I don't want to hear about COVID and all that. He's either suspended or he's hurt or can't play or this, and this. How can you count on a guy that's a 60-game player So that even when he plays, one night might be 20 and 15. The next night might be seven points and four rebounds. It's maddening. It's maddening to watch all of this go on. And last night, I thought DeAndre Hunter was fantastic. He's the guy that kept them in that game. But as they got toward the end of that game at times, Trey fires up some crazy shots, gets them out of their offensive flow. I would love to see a stat in this series about points off of turnovers. We talk about this in the NFL all the time. You make turnovers in the NFL, teams will capitalize on it. I would love to see a stat on how many points the Miami Heat scored off of turnovers. Because it seemed like every time the Heat or Hawks turned the ball over, they come down and hit a big shot. Now, the other thing as well is... Where that game completely changed was toward the end of the first half, and the Hawks had back-to-back inbounds plays where what they do, turn it over. First one leads to an easy basket, second one leads to a three, and all of a sudden, you were within three, four points, and all of a sudden, you look up and they make a run at the end of the first half, and you're down by, you got down by 14, and I think it was, you know, 10 or what have you at the half just mysterious. That changed the whole game around. We talk about in the NFL game of inches. The NBA is like that too. All sports are like that in professional sports. Again, the Miami Heat didn't out-talent the Hawks. The Hawks weren't, you know, overachievers and found a way to get in the playoffs and they just don't have any players or talent or anything like that. The Miami Heat did not talent them, especially with no Lowry and no Jimmy Butler on the floor. You know they they started Oladipo. depot. He had a big night uh, last night. You know he was um, he was twenty three points and uh, in three uh, sorry twenty three points of one a rebound and three assists and three steals uh, last night uh, for them. But it wasn't like they out talented the Hawks. It wasn't a situation where the Heat just had too many stars for the Hawks to match up with. They just couldn't match the intensity. They couldn't play good enough defense, and they kept turning the ball over. And they make these turnovers, and they just led the easy baskets for the Miami Heat. And it was a microcosm of all of the things that went on for this season. Now, we're going to talk more about Trey Young and sort of where we're at with all this in the next segment. Because, again, he was awful in this series. And, if you, and you can like this or not like this. It doesn't really matter. But the reason why the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks got knocked out early on, and they were the first two teams to get eliminated from their series is because their stars didn't play like stars. Trey Young didn't play like a star and Kevin Durant didn't play like a star. And those two teams found themselves exited out very quickly. In the postseason, your stars have to be stars. That's not all on Trey, but that's a lot on Trey. And if you can't score, you can't get to the basket, you better figure out some other things to help your team win. You better figure out how to still be a star on that team. And that didn't happen. So we come back. We're going to talk about Nate McMillan. We're going to talk about Trey Young, kind of where we're at, where we're headed with all of this stuff, offseason thoughts. More Hawks talk when we get back. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We do remind you, head over to YouTube. I want you to put in the little browser there, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Find our YouTube page. Give us a subscribe. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the show. And of course, I want you to follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. We continue to talk about the Hawks and them getting knocked out of the playoffs last night. Let's get into Trey Young, because when your star is not your star, you're in trouble in the NBA. Trey Young last night, another miserable night. Two for 12 from the field, 0 for 5 from three-point land, had eight rebounds, had six assists, but he had six turnovers in the game, minus three and 11 points. Now, look, not going to blame Trey 1,000%, because the other guy that has to have some fault in this is Nate McMillan. Their offense is so sluggish. They have very little ball movement. They don't move guys around the perimeter for a team that is a perimeter team. Guys are not cutting it around and getting underneath and coming back up. They're not setting enough picks up high to free guys up. If you got to set picks in the backcourt to get the ball up the court, get it up the court and set a pick and get your guy freed up. But their offensive stagnation is just pound the basketball in the floor, maybe make a pass, and then force up a shot from there. So Nate McMillan has to help out Trey Young. And I know we talked about in the postgame about, well, maybe next year we go get ourselves a, a point guard, that can allow Trey to roam. Okay, I mean that sounds good, but he's got to move better without the ball, and he likes having the ball in his hand. That's John Collins' problem with them, is that he's like, Trey wants to have the ball, and he's a ball-heavy guard. Just because you have a point guard doesn't mean that Trey is going to have the ball in his hand a lot. So, I, we'll, we'll see about that. I, I don't. I'm not. Con- I'm not convinced that's the solution either. But they have to figure something else out. But the league now has their blueprint for how to defend Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Now, that doesn't mean next year in 82 games, everybody's going to play the same way. Because there's going to be a Tuesday night in November that you play the Houston Rockets and they don't have a crap care about what's going on. Or a Thursday evening in December against the Orlando Magic who have nobody on their roster. What I'm talking about is when you play the good teams and it's crunch time against the good teams in the NBA, they're going to double Trey, they're gonna physical him up, they're going to try to take away his lanes and alleys to be able to throw the basketball. The blueprint is there. And if there's nothing else about professional sports, it is everything's a copycat league. The NFL's a copycat league, the NBA is a copycat league. Major League Baseball is a copycat league. They're all copycat leagues. And there's now a blueprint of moving forward how to take the Hawks out of their game and how to slow down Trey Young. Again, not every team in the league can do it, but every team you know, that, that's worth a crap will try that. And the Hawks have to get tougher in the offseason. They have to physically get tougher. I joked about this on the show last night. You know, it's the old untouchables line from Sean Connery. You know, when they start roughing Trey up and they start getting after him, okay, you know, they send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of theirs to the morgue. They pull a knife, you pull a gun. You know, that that's how you've got to do it. And they have to find some guys that they've had in the past, the Zaza Pachulias and the, and the Deadmans and the Ivan uh, Johnson players that you're going to have to get some guys out there that, that you know, physical it up a little bit. And their job is to come in and set a tone for the game. But they're such a soft team. You know, and Trey Young is never going to be a physical player. I give Trey Young a ton of credit. He played the eighth most minutes in the NBA this year. That says a lot, okay? I'm not saying he's not tough, but he's not going to be a physical style player. You have to help him out. You have to provide guys that can be physical for him to help free him up. And they don't do that. Now, look, as far as the offseason goes, and we'll get more into this as time moves on, unless Tony Wrestler panics, and I'm I am curious to see what Tony Wrestler's reaction to all of this is. Unless he panics, Travis Schlink will be back. Nate McMillan just signed the first year of his four year extension. He'll be back the only way that changes if travis Schlinks, or if if tony wrestler i'm sorry if tony wrestler the owner of the team by the way if he says nope this wasn't good enough we got to get this thing fixed quickly or we're going to be screwed because they're going to go into luxury tax area and trey's getting a whole bunch of money and if he makes an nba all team he's going to get 34 million more so yeah I understand you have to bring in another star, and you have to have somebody that fits between what John and Trey are. But those guys cost a ton of money. And there aren't many of those guys. And I don't want Carl Anthony Towns. I don't want Zion. I don't want any of those guys. What are those guys done? Look how well the Pelicans are playing with Zion doing nothing but, you know, being in the layup line and throwing down dunks. They went and got McCollum, and they've got Ingram, and they feel like, okay, we're ready to roll. We're in good shape. Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota can't get out of their own way. They're they're watching, you know, they're watching John Morant and and Memphis right now stick it right to them. Blow a lead here, blow a lead there. Hell, I already got enough of those guys on the Hawks roster. I don't need another another 25 and 12 guy to come in here and blow leads for me. I got that already. So the offseason is going to be interesting because it is important. But the NBA showed you... A blueprint for how to take out the Hawks. And they showed you a blueprint for how to defend Trey Young, especially. And he's got some things that he's got to work on in the offseason. You know, his and I understand he's their main offensive guy. But there has to be a trust factor in some of these guys to knock down some shots. DeAndre Hunter last night was magnificent in that game. and 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 every night, you know, when you have one of these kinds of teams, you have to find the guy who's the hot guy and you have to feed him. Even if that means Trey Young at times has to take a little bit of an offensive step back. Because Trey in this series forced way too many bad shots. His turnovers and his bad shot forcing was a real hindrance to the Hawks. Look, in a seven game series, I've talked about this a million times. In a seven game series, or, or let's expand it, okay? Okay to win the NBA championship you have to win at least 16 games that's assuming you're not a play in team right assuming you're not a play in team which is almost impossible to think about winning an NBA if you're a play in team you're talking about 17 or 18 games but it at the very least a non play in team has to win 16 games okay so kevin herder is not going to win three or four games for you. DeAndre Hunter's not gonna win four games for you. Clint Capella's not gonna win four games for you, right? Like that's not how it works in the NBA. You have to win 16 games. Trey Young's gotta win 11 of those. At least 10, but probably 11 of those. And I have to have one or two games where John Collins wins it for me. I do have to have one game where herder wins it for me or a game where Hunter wins it for me, or a game where Bogey wins it for me, or a game where Gala wins it for me. But your stars have to be stars. And they have to play like that. And they can't force bad shots for the sake of forcing bad shots. They can't force bad turnovers for the sake of, you know, we're trying to make something happen that we can't get done. And that's on trade. And if you wanna know why Brooklyn and the Hawks are already on the sidelines and they've gone fishing already, The two big stars, man. Durant didn't play well for the Brooklyn Nets at all. Trey Young did not play well for the Hawks. And you see those teams are knocked out and they're eliminated. And it's into the offseason. So we'll spend a lot of time talking about the Hawks offseason about all of this. When we get back, we are one day away. It is draft day tomorrow, not the movie and all that kind of stuff. It is draft day. We'll give you some draft thoughts when we get back. It is John Chuckery. This is Hitting Hard on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on hitting Hard with John Truckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com. Obviously, go in the browser and put in Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can find us there very easily. You can check out all the different shows that we've got on a lot of different content that's out there. Braves, Falcons, Atlanta Sports, Hawks, take your pick. we got everything covered for you. So uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Be a part of the community. Leave us a comment about what you hear. And of course... I want you to subscribe, or not subscribe, but give me a follow on my uh, personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Well, NFL Draft starts tomorrow. First round will take place tomorrow night, and um, this will be interesting. You know, reality is this should not be a hard draft. Now, yesterday, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith had their pre-draft news conference I don't know what we accomplished in all that because they didn't really say anything. People asked them questions. Um, We learned that their board is set. We know that who they're going to pick. They don't really know just simply because the first seven picks I think are so much flux that you don't have as easy of a handle on it. And and Fontenot brought this up yesterday that, you know, last year it was once, once the 49ers moved up, you knew that there was going to be three quarter. You you knew pretty much it was going to be, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You were pretty well set. And the Falcons were the quote-unquote first pick of the draft at that point. Now, on my radio show tonight, I—I I, for those that are new to following and watching me, every year I do one, one, one mock draft. Not 50, not 1,000 i don't go on the simulator and every day do 25 mock drafts i do one one mock draft and i do it the week of the draft so i'm gonna i'm gonna unveil that on my radio show tonight and i'm gonna give you my mock and i'll explain more of this tomorrow because i'm gonna give you my mock on here tomorrow i'm gonna give you my one and only mock here tomorrow but I'll do it tonight and and I'll explain the parameters and things like that because I have a specific way about how I do this. You know, there's 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 my personal thought process about how I do all this kind of stuff. So we'll get into all of that. But this shouldn't be that hard of a draft. I mean, there are things that the hawk that the Hawks Falcons need to address in this draft early and probably often, you know, in some ways. I said, I'm cautiously optimistic about what the Falcons do with this draft. And I I, I hope that it, 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 it should be pretty easy to allow it to fall the way that it should. And I'm just kind of laughing because I see all these guys mock and stuff like that. You know, I'm a guy that watches the Falcons every single week. You know, I'm not in the NFL. I'm not an NFL GM. But I watch the Falcons every single week. I watch every play every single week. And the reasons that they're a bad team and the reasons that they lose and the reasons that their franchise is where it's at are the same things every week. Nothing new, nothing different, nothing earth shattering, nothing, you know, cataclysm. It's all the same thing. They don't block well up front to stop anybody. They can't get any pressure on the quarterback in the league. And their defense gets picked apart every week. And their offense struggles to keep the quarterback up or open any holes to run the football. Simple. There's nothing more than that. Well, the the Falcons don't have good wide receivers. Okay. And that's not why they lose the game. Their wide receiver play has nothing to do with the fact that your interior offensive line gets run over. You can't establish any sort of run game whatsoever. I don't have anything to do with your wide receivers. And if the wide receivers aren't blocking, that's not what's killing your quarterback. And then on the other side of the football, you know, well, we don't have a great secondary with 49ers. Don't have a great secondary. They've got a great defensive line, but they don't ask their corners and safeties to cover for six seconds. They don't ask their guys to do all that stuff. Their guys get whoop right up field on you. And that takes away, you know, the need to have all these stud corners and all that kind of stuff. It's great. I mean, again, in 1977, you know, if you had two corners, it was great. Because if I'm playing the Oakland Raiders, I got to account for Cliff Branch and Fred Blitnikoff and maybe Dave Casper running out in a pattern. Other than that, hell, I have got to cover anybody because I'm going to turn and hand off and this, that, and the other. All right, let's fast forward to the year 2022 of our Lord and Savior. Shotgun, empty backfield, five wide, six guys out, running all over, crisscross, beep, bada, boop, bop, bop, and I got nobody. And I can't, and the quarterback's moving around, and he's just standing back there, and he's hucking it all around, he's doing all. Right? I got two corners who I, they got a cover for seven seconds and I still have four other guys out in the pattern. So this should be simple. I hope they don't complicate it. And I hope it's not a complicated draft for the Falcons. I, 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 I've said before, I'm not going to be surprised by pretty much any pick the Falcons make. Okay? Not going to be surprised If it's quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, safety, corner, I'm not going to be surprised. I said yesterday that there are a few positions that if they draft it, I will be disappointed, but I'm not going to be surprised. And this is not a knock on, I shouldn't even say that, this is not a matter of the Falcons don't need more good football players. I get that. But either you build from, let's say this is the football, right? Here's the football. See that? There's the football. Here's the football, placing it right here, okay? Got the football. Here, here's my phone. We're going to substitute the, the football. My phone is the football, okay? And I'm sitting right here on top of my laptop, okay? I can either build right where the ball is placed, or I can go whoop, and I can go build way out there and that's where I could start. I want to start right here. See I'm doing that right here where the football is. This side, this side, wherever build there because that's where the Falcons are losing every single uh, literary week. Every week they lose there. Start winning there. You might find out your franchise can change around. You might find out your franchise can be a little bit better. So, we'll unveil my mock coming up tomorrow. Um, I draft all seven rounds uh, in there. So, um, But it's going to be exciting. I'm excited. I'm going to be at Mercedes Benz Stadium literally all afternoon. Um, I'm doing six hours of radio and things like that uh, at Mercedes Benz Stadium. So, it's going to be a long day, but I'm excited to see. And I want you to know, too, that we will all do some reaction over the weekend to the Falcons draft right here on this particular platform. We'll give you some reaction probably Saturday morning, because obviously Friday we'll be able to talk about the uh, Falcons first round pick. Then Saturday we'll give some commentary about what the Falcons did in the second round. And look, I'll say one other quick note, too. I'm not going to be surprised if the Falcons pick more than once tomorrow night. I'm not going to be surprised at all. If the Falcons pick at eight or somewhere, you know, if they move back and I'm not going to be surprised if they find a way to move back up into the first round and they go get themselves another pick, which most likely if the Falcons do trade up in the bottom of the first round, that's for quarterback. That's that's the that's usually the main reason why you draft back into the first round is to get a quarterback so that you can get that fifth year option on them. Not always. They traded up to, you know, they traded back in the first round to get Sam Baker and Caleb McGarry. how those picks work out? How'd that, how'd that go? Anyway, sorry. Um, but don't be surprised if they don't trade back up and in the first round and get themselves a quarterback. So it all starts tomorrow night. Going to be exciting. I'm excited for the draft. Going to be down there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and um, hopefully that uh, the Falcons get this thing right. All right. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with you on hitting Hard. Of course, again, we'll preview my mock draft and Want to thank you for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Want you to make your second listen, though, A to Z with Mark Zeno. My guy, Mark Zeno is returning to the Atlanta sports talk scene, and he's got opinions that you may not like, but you know, you got to hear them. A to Z with Mark Zeno is also part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, free and available on uh, YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. So be sure to check out my guy, Mark Zeno, uh, on uh, his show every day as well. So We will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at JMCH316. And this has been hitting Hard with John Chukri on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.